God, our Father, and our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. Listen again to a portion of verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So far, our text. The story is told about a CNN cameraman who was told to go out and get some footage on some breaking news. The cameraman quickly used his cell phone to call the local airport to charter a flight. He was told that a twin-engine plane would be waiting for him at the airport. Arriving at the airfield, he spotted a plane warming up outside the hangar. He jumped in with his bag, slammed the door, and sh shouted, Let's go! The pilot taxied out, swung the plane into the wind. They took off. Once in the air, the cameraman instructed the pilot, Fly over the valley and make low passes so I can get shots of the wildfires on the hillside. Why? asked the pilot. Because I'm a cameraman for CNN, and I need to get some close-up shots. The pilot was strangely quiet for a moment, and then he finally stammered, so, so what you're telling me is, you're not my flight instructor. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Cases of mistaken identity happen, don't they? It certainly happened to that poor cameraman, but it definitely did not happen to Jesus in our text. No, our text this morning transports you to the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago to Gerasenes, a Gentile place, a Gentile township. Here, Jesus meets a demon-possessed man straight out of a Stephen King novel. This man is completely encrusted with filth from head to toe. He stinks. He's naked, scraggly beard down to his waist. Pieces of broken chains hang from his wrists and from his feet, evidence of his extraordinary physical strength. He's been living among the graves in the local cemetery, running amok and terrorizing the countryside. But look what happens when this devil-filled, half-crazed, zombie-like boogeyman meets Jesus. Luke tells us, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet. Of course he did. For at the feet of Jesus, what? Every knee shall bow. And then this freak show shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Ha! No case of mistaken identity here. No wondering, no guessing, no waiting for the D DNA uh, test results. No, the demons who are controlling this poor man, they knew the truth. They knew exactly who Jesus is, the Son of God Almighty. 
Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a little bit ironic? Because up to this point in Jesus' ministry, no one knew for certain who Jesus was, not even his own disciples. Who is this? Those same disciples had asked during the boat ride to Gerasenes after Jesus had calmed the wind and stilled the waves. Who is this who even forgives sins? The Pharisees had asked Jesus when he forgave the sinful woman back in chapter 7. Who is this fellow? The Pharisees asked again after Jesus healed the paralytic in chapter 6. No one's quite certain what is printed on Jesus' driver's license. In fact, even John the Baptist had his doubts for a while, didn't he? No one, that is, except the demons, except for the bad guys, except for Satan's crew. They knew, look out, they said, look out, here comes the Son of God. The demons were frightened, weren't they? They were sore afraid, you might say, which makes perfect sense. For when you know who Jesus is, then you also know what he can do. And that's why those nasty demons were beside themselves. What do you want with us? What do you want with us, Jesus? They were worried about what Jesus was going to do to them. And actually, when you think about it, the demons who possessed the man in our text got off rather easy. Compared to what Jesus has planned for those same demons on Judgment Day, what happened to them in our text was merely a slap on the wrist. Forced to replace their human host with a herd of pigs. Pigs who resented their new demonic tenants and over the cliff they went. Who said pigs can't fly? You know, this week in Vacation Bible School, there were 180 children who learned that Jesus loved them. Can I get an amen, brothers and sisters? Huh? Did you hear that? 180 kids. One more amen. Yeah. Amen. Wonderful, beautiful, glorious chaos. And those kids, they learned who Jesus was, and they learned what he had done for them on the cross, on Easter morning. And not only did they learn those things, but then they were encouraged to take Jesus home with them and to share him with others. That was a huge emphasis uh, this year because when you know who Jesus is and you believe in him with all your heart, when you realize what Jesus has done for you, you want to share that with everyone you know. Check out the man in our text. Look what Jesus did for him. The demons are gone. Over the cliff they went, so much pulled pork. For the first time in ages, this man can control his own body, his own movements, his own mind, his own thoughts. He falls at Jesus' feet. He worships him. In fact, he wants to jump in the boat and join the disciples. But Jesus says, no, I have other plans for you. Jesus tells him, return to your home and tell everyone how much God has done for you. 
Those words contain the marching orders for every Christian who has ever desired to respond to the love of Jesus Christ. Those words are nothing less than the mission of God's church on this earth until the final uh, trumpet blows on Judgment Day. Go home and tell others what God has done for you. It's just another version of what? Go ye therefore and make disciples. And not only is declaring what God has done for you the perfect, and I would say the only response to loving Jesus Christ, get this, it's also the most effective marketing campaign ever devised. It's how God grows his church. I mean, technology is great, but let's be honest, if you really want to sell something, nothing beats word of mouth. You know, we didn't advertise for Vacation Bible School this year. Nothing. Well, you know, except maybe what was on the sign. Okay? Why do we have 180 kids? Word of mouth. People know. People know. Ruth does a great job. Okay? Nothing beats a satisfied customer. And that's true. I mean, think about it. What do you do when you want to purchase an item on Amazon or, or Wayfair or, or Overstock or one of those places? You get on the website, you click on the item that has your heart going pitter-patter, but before you put it into your cart, what do you do? You read the reviews. You check out the customers who've already purchased the product, listen to what they have to say, and you know you're looking for what? Five-star reviews. You're really looking for satisfied customers. Go home and tell folks how much God has done for you. You know, what do you think? Was this formerly demon-possessed man an effective proclaimer and communicator of Jesus Christ? Do you think the people of his hometown were blown away when they saw him in his right mind? Uh, again, absolutely. Before them stood what? A five-star satisfied customer whom they knew, good luck, trying to deny the product this man was selling. And I wonder how many souls God saved. I wonder how many people came to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior through this man that God used, a man who used to belong to darkness. And now we bring it a little closer to home. And you knew this was coming, so what about you? There's no mistaken identity for you, not when it comes to Jesus. You know full well who he is. Second person of the Holy Trinity, you talked about that uh, last Sunday. You know he's true God, true man. You know what Jesus has done for you. You know all about the cross. You know all about Easter. You know what your heavenly future will be all about. But there's more, isn't there? That's the good stuff. But there's more, more things that Jesus has done for you. And these things are a little bit more personal. For Jesus has helped you get rid of a few demons over the years, hasn't he? Maybe you used to have anger problems. But Jesus taught you how to quench the fire of your temper. And over the cliff that anger went. Or maybe your marriage was in trouble because of your selfishness. 
but Jesus taught you how to rearrange your priorities and, and your me-first mentality took a swan dive to the street. Or maybe you've wrestled with pornography or gambling or whatever your addiction used to be, but Christ gave you the strength to turn your life around and push that compulsion over the edge. Or maybe you simply used to worry and fret and stress about every little thing, your kids, your health, your finances, your job. But Jesus taught you how to let him do the worrying. And finally, you stepped away from the edge of the abyss. You know him. You know what he's done for you and still does. And I think you know exactly what he's saying to you this morning and to me this morning. He says, go home after church on this rainy day. Find a heartbeat. Find someone you know. Tell them what God has done for you and what God would love to do for them. Mistaken identity. It happens, but not with you, not when it comes to Jesus. You know who he is. You know what he's done for you. Why not share that? Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.